Welcome to Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. We're delighted to have you back again for week number five of our journey. We are looking at the subject of death, dying, and the future hope. And with us again today, we have the author of the Sabbath School study, and that is Dr. Alberto Tim. He is an associate director of the Ellen G. White Estate. Alberto, welcome back once again. Well, it's my pleasure to join you. So we're already on a journey. We're making our way through this quarter, looking at a very significant subject. And the last study that we did, last week's lesson, dealt with the hope that there is or was in the Old Testament really being found in the body's resurrection. Why did they place their hope in that? And uh, is that still where we should be placing our hope? Definitely. That's an ongoing uh, process. Um, Let me just illustrate it. Uh, The second time that I went to Machu Picchu, and this was with my wife now, we went up there after the bus took us to the right place, and then we had to walk up to the, the hill, and it was a very foggy day. And then I, I asked the, the tour guy about the weather, and I told him, I think it's worthwhile, it's worthless to be here. And he said, no, definitely not. Soon you will see it clearer. I mean, the weather would clear up and you would see the majesty of the place. So, with, uh, probably he was trying to, to convince us that that was uh, what happened. And sure enough, we were there and soon it opened like a theater. The curtain opened and the gorgeous, majestic scene was there. And I think the same thing you have with the hope of the resurrection. You start... Early here, one statement in the Old Testament, another quotation there, and so on. But finally, you have not only theory, you have actual uh, examples of uh, resurrections in both the Old Testament and several in the New Testament. So this concept of the resurrection, a very significant one, a, a very powerful one, and as we're looking here, this, this particular week is called Resurrections Before the Cross. Why, why is it that people have a hard time accepting this teaching, accepting this truth of the Bible? What is it that's, what's the, the blockage, what's the hurdle that causes many people to stumble with this? Basically, that is a matter of presuppositions, the way how I read the Bible if I bring into the Bible my own presuppositions, they can be uh, from philosophy or can be from some other kind of cultural element or even tradition, I will have difficulties to understand the Bible. Or in other words, I read the Bible through my own glasses of presuppositions. And I would like to mention just a few of them. For instance, for a skeptical mind that does not accept the supernatural element of Scripture. There is no way to accept such a a matter of resurrection. For those who believe in natural immortality of the soul, why should the soul that is already in paradise rejoicing with the angels and God to be reincarnated here to raise from the grave if they are already in paradise? And another one definitely is also 
the matter of near-death experiences. In this case, if they prove that when somebody dies, does not die, but go to a higher level, higher stage of life, then a resurrection of coming back to this world and be raised again does not make any sense. So these are just a few examples. You could add any, uh, some other ones, but are always presuppositions read into the Bible without allowing the Bible to speak for itself. And that same approach can cause us problems, not just in this subject, but in, in really any subject that the Bible covers. If we come into it with our own presuppositions, rather than letting Scripture speak to us, or maybe I should say God to speak to us through the Scripture, then we can often end up with the wrong, at the wrong destination. I guess that's one way to put it. So in the Old Testament, there are some people who died and rose again. There are also some people who sort of skipped a step. Uh, they went straight from living in this sin-cursed world to being, the word that we sometimes use is translated. They went straight to eternal life. Oh, share a little bit about those situations. Well, let's start from the last one example that you mentioned is those who were translated without facing that. We have uh, evidence that Enoch walked so close to God that he decided to take him, and he was taken into heaven. And uh, some, some people might doubt about this. Was that the case because he was taken over there? Of course, you have Hebrews 11.5 that says that Enoch uh, was taken away so that he did not see death. So the New Testament even confirms the fact that Enoch really did not die, but he was taken directly to heaven. And another example is also, you have the case of Elijah. And Elijah also, you remember the, the, the incident with the chariot there of fire, that he was taken into heaven. And we have evidence also of he appearing in the, transfiguration of Christ. You remember in the mountain together with Moses there. So we have evidence that those two individuals did not face that, but they are exceptions. We would not consider anybody else, uh, at least from the biblical perspective, that, that have the, this kind of experience. So those are just a couple from Old Testament times who were translated, who never saw death. But there are some who lived in Old Testament times who did die, did experience death, and then were resurrected. Share a few of those stories with us. Well, the first example is definitely uh, Moses. Moses, uh, it gives the impression that he would go into the promised land. But he had a pitfall and in a place where he, ha he should just speak to the rock. He really spanked the rock or whatever you want to say. And that was not God's plan. And so he paid the price for it. But God had a better plan for Moses. And the Bible pass, especially the end of the book of uh, Deuteronomy, says that he was really, uh, he died and God himself buried him. 
And later on, according to, to the book of Jude, a small book in the New Testament, there was a dispute when God decided to raise him up and take to heaven. And uh, we have evidences that that was actually the case, that he was taken to heaven when he also appeared in the mountain of transfiguration with Elijah there and spoke with Jesus. And you remember the reaction of Peter I, even was, why don't we build a, make a few tents here for them to remain with us? But that was actually something very special. I would like just to call your attention to something a little bit out of the, of the conventional one. Uh, those who believe in the natural immortality of the soul have difficulties explaining how the body is being, uh, is being uh, buried over there and the spirit goes to God. So in this line, uh, two Greek uh, uh, church fathers and one is Origen and the other on Clement of Alexandria and those were from the school of Alexandria, very mystical. They said there were actually two Moses there. One, the body was was buried, dead, and the other one ascended to to heaven. But this is not what the Bible says. You see how presuppositions really count? Actually, what really uh, the Bible says is that he was uh, buried, and then later on raised. And he was a type of uh, other people that would have the same experience. And this is definitely also the hope of, the, uh, of Christians in general. So there is most definitely hope from some of the stories in the Old Testament. On, on Monday, you talk about two Old Testament cases of people who were resurrected. Pull those apart a little bit. What are some of the similarities between these cases and some of the differences between them? It's interesting that Elijah, one of those who did not face death when he was really uh, on this earth uh, during his prophetic ministry, he uh, visited uh, a widow. And definitely, in this case, uh, the son of the the widow died, and uh, he performed through God's power. Definitely, he did not have power. He erased from the dead that, uh, that boy. But then later on, you have another in- uh, incident, and that happened with uh, Elijah. You remember that he asked for a double portion of the spirit, and he had a similar experience also. And uh, in that case, in that case, also a resurrection took place. In two cases, there were uh, mothers grieving. One was even not from the from Israel; was a foreigner. So God does not discriminate. And the other one was, but in both cases, God really use the prophet as an instrument to raise them from the dead. And of course, the question that you might ask, why these two, if there were so many other ones that could be raised as well? And it's entirely possible that there were others who were raised. Maybe we don't have 
reference to them in the uh, in the in the pages of Scripture, uh, we have certain examples that we do see, others that we don't. And we're going to be coming back and taking a look at several other examples of this and some things in the New Testament as well. So why is this so important? Well, as you've been learning week by week, there are some significant misconceptions about this subject, the subject of death, the subject of of a resurrection, when it takes place, where people go when they die, a lot of misconceptions, and those misconceptions can lead us to make decisions in our life that aren't always the best. So we're spending some time this quarter looking at the subject of death, dying, and the future hope. And if you would like to get even more out of the lesson, you already have the Sabbath School Bible Study Guide, you're listening to the author, Dr. Alberto Tim, share some thoughts, additional thoughts on this during our Sabbath School program. But I want to encourage you to pick up the companion book to the lesson, and that is on death, dying, and the future hope. Of course, the author is Dr. Alberto Tim, our guest on our Sabbath School program. You can pick this book up at itiswritten.shop. Itiswritten.shop. It is the companion book to the Sabbath School Guide called again on death, dying, and the future hope. Pick up a copy and you will get even more out of this subject and you'll be able to share it more effectively with others who you may know who are a little bit misguided on this subject so that they can have hope and encouragement as well. We're going to be back in just a couple of minutes as we continue our study on looking at resurrections in the Old Testament. We'll be right back. You know that at It Is Written, we are serious about studying the Word of God, and we encourage you to be serious as well. Well, here's what you do if you want to dig deeper into God's Word. Go to itiswritten.study for the It Is Written Bible Study Guides online. 25 in-depth Bible studies that will take you through the major teachings of the Bible. You'll be blessed, and it's something you'll want to tell others about as well. itiswritten.study. Go further. itiswritten.study. Thank you for remembering that It Is Written exists because of the kindness of people just like you. To support this international life-changing ministry, please call us now at 800-253-3000. You can send your tax-deductible gift to the address on your screen, or you can visit us online at itiswritten.com. Thank you for your prayers and for your financial support. Our number again is 800-253-3000, or you can visit us online at itiswritten.com. Welcome back to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. We're continuing our study of lesson number five in the quarterly, looking at death, dying, and the future hope. Resurrections in the Old Testament. Alberto, we've looked at a couple of them already, and we've, we've talked about some people who were translated. But on Tuesday's lesson and on Wednesday's lesson, we look at the son of the widow of Nain, and we look at Jairus' daughter. So what is the significance of, uh, of these individuals, the way they were resurrected, why their resurrection is important to us today? Well, the first case that you mentioned, Eric, the one, the widow of Nain, that was something completely surprising because Jesus arrived at that place. There was a funeral service as at that time going on, and people were definitely very 
down because of that situation, the, the son had died. And Jesus just approached the place where the corpse was and really raised him uh, from, from the dead. In other words, he came to life again. And people were amazed. How does it come that somebody approached here and raised from the dead somebody that not even asked? And the second case is the death of Jairus. And Jairus really, his uh, young daughter, 12 years of age, was sick. And then he went to Jesus and he believed that Jesus could heal her. Definitely he has done in many other cases, has helped other people. And there are evidences, I believe, that that happened in Capernaum. If you go over there, Capernaum, you will be the, the city where Jesus really had, so to say, the headquarters of his ministry in Galilee. Uh, Galilee. And then he asked, but then came the news that, he, uh, that she already died. And when Jesus came to the house, they said, well, there is nothing to be done because she already died. And in this case, um, the, the people over there were even wondering what would, would take place. And Jesus used the expression very meaningful when, when uh, he said, well, she is just sleeping. And then they said, no, she is dead. And then he raised her up. She came to life again. But then people was, uh, went to the other direction. Well, uh, Jesus just, just uh, wakened this, uh, this little, little girl up from the dead. But those were people really that were doubting a little bit, but they saw the miracle taking place. So two very interesting uh, experiences that Jesus had in raising people, but, but really... None compares with the story of Lazarus. And in John chapter 11, we get a very clear picture of what happened in this resurrection. And this is one that it has been considered one of the most powerful miracles, influential miracles, significant miracles that Jesus did. And it's also one that got him more, more hated than any of his other miracles. It, was, it didn't make him very popular, at least with a certain class of people. John 11 talks about the resurrection of Lazarus of Bethany. So who was Lazarus? What relationship did he and his siblings have with Jesus? And what came out of this? What made it so significant? Actually, Jesus was a very close friend with uh, with the two ladies and also with Lazarus, who was a brother. So it seems that Jesus, during the, his ministry, he faced several turmoils and problems here and there. But that was a place where he could feel at home with them. But then came the news that Lazarus was sick and finally died. And of course, they went to Jesus knowing that he had all the power to, to heal sick people and also to raise the dead. And then Jesus came. 
But it's interesting that Jesus did not came did not go immediately. He delayed his journey over there. And people were even wondering why he could have gone immediately. I think that we have enough evidences to believe that in the case of the resurrection of the daughter of Jairus, people were claiming, well, she was not actually dead. He just, he himself said that he just wake, waked her up from, from her sleep. But now there was no, no way to deny that Lazarus was, was dead because he was even smelling bad at that, uh, uh, over there. So there was, he was even buried. There was no other evidence. And then Jesus comes. And there is an interesting dialogue with, especially with Martha. And I like very much a statement that you find here in John chapter 11. And this is verse 25. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. So Jesus speaks about his power. And then it goes on. And he even goes to a point where he says to to Martha, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So the glory of God can only be seen by faith. I like very much, there is a theologian that says that uh, that the doxa teu, or the, uh, the glory of God, can only be seen by pistis, or faith, using the, the Greek terms to it. But then Jesus comes to life. And what is uh, impressive, what is really amazing in this story is, and I would say not only this story, but all the ones that actually experienced that in the Old Testament during Christ's earthly ministry, none of them uh, presented any kind of nice near-death report saying, well, I saw angelic being welcoming me to paradise or a tunnel of light and so on. Nothing. There was nothing. It was just something normal, from the non-existent back to existence again. So looking at this story and kind of trying to fit together the common idea of what happens when you die in the, in the Christian world, that when you die, some part of you, your soul or your spirit, continues to live on and goes immediately to heaven. It's interesting when you look at this dialogue between Jesus and Martha in verse number 21, John 11, verse 21, it says, Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then she says, But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. And then Martha makes an interesting statement. She says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She doesn't say, I know that my brother is up in heaven right now walking the streets of gold, singing with the angels. There's, there's, she didn't get that idea. And of course, she wouldn't have gotten that idea because she knew what happened when a person dies because she got her theology directly from Jesus. 
And I think there's maybe a lesson for us there, too. If we get our theology from Jesus rather than maybe popular teachers or maybe rather than from a church or what a church teaches, let, let's get our beliefs from Jesus, I think we'll be a little better off. What do you think, Alberto? Well, that is precisely the case, and I am really thankful that you brought this matter up, because even more, Jesus would have the chance of correcting uh, Martha if she was mistaken in this, this matter here, but not. And, and plus, it would be unfair probably to bring Lazarus back from paradise, rejoicing over there, to have to suffer here. And if you continue reading the Gospel of John, you will see that they did not only hate Jesus, but even were planning to kill Lazarus, because that was an argument against uh, the Pharisees that really denied the uh, the power of Jesus and his, uh, uh, his divinity or being really uh, the Messiah. So Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. We've looked at some significant resurrections today in, uh, in this week's lesson. What are some lessons that we can learn from these resurrections? What can we take away from this that will give us hope and encouragement? Before we go to the, le- to the lessons, let me just highlight one more point that I like very much. Uh, one of the Greek church fathers, John Chrysostom, he even stated that Jesus had to speak uh, or to, to name Lazarus. Um, mention his name, because if he would just say, uh, you should come from the grave to raise up, all the, those who died in Christ would have, or all the, the children of God would raise from the dead. So he mentioned specifically his name so that only he would be raised. Such a power has Christ. And this is something that we know that time will come when really Jesus will raised from the grave, all those who died in him. But uh, I think that there are some points that we should consider. First of all, and one of those is very clear, that resurrection is the only hope of everlasting life for those who died. And secondly, also, uh, Lazarus and the other ones are types, or in other words, are uh, the first fruits, if you want to use a biblical language, of the great multitude of those who will be raised from the, the dead when Jesus comes. And if you have some beloved ones that are no longer with you, as I do, my parents, my siblings, and so, what a glorious moment and what a glorious hope we have for their resurrection. And I hope that we will be ready to to rejoin all those who will be with Christ in heaven. Thank you, Alberto, for pointing or painting such a beautiful picture of what the future looks like for those who are in Christ. Thank you for joining us again this week. We are going to continue our study of death, dying, and the future hope when we come back again next week on Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. God bless you. We'll see you then.